Welcome back to A Flame for Christ, homilies to set your heart on fire with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, and today we examine the amazing St. Joseph. So, my friends, we just recently passed by the Feast of St. Joseph, and what an incredible man he is. He was mentioned in three of the Gospels, in Matthew, Luke, and John. And even though he said no recorded words, he is considered the third most powerful person in history behind Jesus and Mary themselves. So what do we really know about St. Joseph, and what are some takeaways that we can apply to our own life about the life of this remarkable man? So first of all, we know a lot about St. Joseph from some extra-biblical sources. For example, there's what we call the Proto-Evangelion of James. There's a document called the History of Joseph the Carpenter, 5th century document, which basically claims that Joseph was older when he married Our Lady, between 80 and 90 years old. But some of the mystics had different visions, and they saw Joseph as approximately the year th- uh, around 33 years old when he married Our Blessed Mother. So whether you believe in an older Joseph or a younger Joseph, nevertheless, we do know uh, that Joseph, according to tradition, was selected in a very unique way. So, of course, Mary had already been committed to be perpetually a virgin and had been handed over to the temple for safe, uh, safekeeping when she was a very young child. But when she reached the age of marriage, approximately 14 years old, the temple priest looked for a husband who could protect that beautiful gift of chastity that Mary had. And so according to tradition, they lined up a number of suitors and went down the line examining each one. And when they came to St. Joseph, his staff started to bud forth with the blooms of lilies, which is a sign of purity. And so they knew that he was the man to marry our Blessed Mother. And so he did so and preserved her chastity until the end of his earthly life. Now, what does scripture say about St. Joseph? Well, first of all, in Matthew's gospel, it starts off by calling Joseph the just man. Well, what is a just or righteous man? In the Old Testament, we know that a just man is a man who fears the Lord. What does that mean to fear the Lord? That means to recognize that there is a God and I'm not him. You know, sometimes, sometimes we lose sight of that, I think. You know, I remember hearing a homily one time when the priest got up and said, you know, sometimes in our spiritual life, we need to forgive the Lord. And I was kind of blown away. What? We need to forgive the Lord? No, the Lord is perfect. Instead of forgiving him, we need to bow our hearts before his almighty and perfect and loving will, right? It's that idea that, oh, maybe we're somehow equal or on par with the Lord. No, that's definitely not the case, right? Now, this is not a a servile fear as if we were a slave looking at the hand of a master, but rather it's a filial fear, It's a fear of losing a treasured relationship. You know, when you think about it, the relationship between a parent and a child should be one of great love, and yet it's not one of equality. I kind of cringe when I hear parents, uh, kids calling their parents by their first name, because I think, wait a second, you're not your parent's peer. You have to realize that there's kind of a difference. There's a, a gap in terms of authority, in terms of respect that's owed, and that is our relationship with God. That, yes, he is our indeed our father, which means we can trust him and love him. But at the same time, we also must respect him, realizing that he's not just a regular guy like, you know, somebody we drink a beer with, but rather somebody who's far greater than us. And so St. Joseph perfectly did this. And we saw how just he was in that fear of the Lord when all the time, you know, when he would have these dreams in scripture, he promptly obeyed. He didn't question Unlike so many others in scripture who got God's commands and would just question, Lord, but what about this? But what about that? I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Joseph didn't do that. Joseph had that fear of the Lord to say, Lord, your will, your ways 
are mysterious. I don't understand them, but I trust in them. They're greater than me. Your thoughts are not my thoughts, says the Lord, right? Another aspect, though, of being a just man is a man who meditates on the law of the Lord. Now, Joseph certainly knew the scriptures. He knew the scriptures greatly. He knew, for example, the prophecy from Isaiah, which said in Isaiah 7, that a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. You shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so in hearing this prophecy, then when the angel came to him, he's like, oh, yes, that makes sense. I I know the prophecy. Or, for example, he knew that the city of David was Bethlehem. He only knows that from his study of the scriptures. And so it's these things that allowed him to respond so quickly because he saw in this, in his own life, a way in which God had moved in the past and was now moving in the present. So that's kind of a challenge for us, right? Do we as Catholics know the scriptures so well? Probably not all that much, right? I remember being at a Catholic school and every year the uh, students would pick a yearbook quote when they're in you know, eighth grade. And the only people to ever pick a scripture quote were the Protestants in the school. And I was very taken aback by that because the Catholics are all posting you know, th- quotes from rappers or, or Michael Jordan or other sports stars. And I thought to myself, wait a second, why is the only people picking the word of God the Protestants? We as Catholics need to embrace the word of God, love it, live it, put it really deep within our hearts, study it. Because when we meditate on the word of God, it becomes a part of us, which helps us to interpret the circumstances of everyday life, right? So if we're suffering some misfortune, well, we could turn to, for example, Romans 12, Romans 8. Maybe if we want to watch some bad movie, we turn to James 1.27, which says, keeping yourself unspotted from the world is what makes for perfect worship in the eyes of our Lord. So Joseph clearly knew the scriptures, and that's part of being a just man. But you know, there's another element to being a just man, and that is a man who acts uprightly. And we can see Joseph doing that, right, when he doesn't want to put Mary to death. Instead, he sought to protect her at great risk to himself and even his business, right? He would have been ostracized. He could have lost clients if he had married this loose woman, quote-unquote, Mary, who was pregnant without the help of a man. But nevertheless, his protection of the weak and vulnerable is what makes him a just man. What a beautiful thing that is, that he protected Mary no matter what the personal cost was. How different that is than from our modern world, right? That instead of living out uh, that, we're very good at speaking about our virtues instead of living them, right? I mean, we talk about virtue signaling nowadays. And, but St. Teresa of Calcutta had a great quote about that. She said, there should be less talk. Just grab a broom and sweep someone's house. That speaks loud enough. So the fact that Joseph said no words, but his deeds spoke about him being a just man is a great uh, lesson for us, that we should live out our faith rather than talk it more than living it. Another great takeaway from St. Joseph is that he descended from a line of kings. We know that he was royal blood. And after all, if David was, quote, a man after God's own heart, which we see both in 1 Samuel and also in Acts, then so was Joseph, a man par excellence after God's own heart. And you know what? So are we called to be. The Second Vatican Council in Lumen Gentium 36 says, To serve Christ is to reign. To serve Christ is to reign. So we must never forget that we too have royal blood because we've taken the blood of Christ upon our lips and into our hearts. And therefore, we have the blood of Christ beating within our heart, coursing throughout our veins. We have royal blood. We are from a royal lineage. You and I are princes and princesses. Therefore, holiness is our dignity, is our calling. Finally, the last thing we can take away from St. Joseph, I think, is that St. Joseph was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. 
So even though he was royalty, it was not beneath his dignity to work and to be poor and a laborer. You know, I think we often look down upon laborers in today's world. When I was chaplain of a high school, we prided ourselves on sending 100% of our kids to college. But as I was looking at the graduating class, I would always think, you know, 100% of these kids should not be going to college because some of these kids are meant for work. Maybe they don't have the intellectual capability or the drive to go to college, but rather maybe their, their way in which they can serve their neighbor is through doing manual labor, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, for the vast majority of the world, Hard work is their daily lot. You know, Jesus could have been born as the son of a philosopher, son of a rabbi, son of a king, but instead he was known to be what's in Greek is called the tekton. Tekton literally means a carpenter or a woodcrafter, you know, somebody who sanctifies their labor. And so when we work, we should unite it to Christ's labor in Joseph's workshop, right? Jesus spent 30 years laboring and only three years preaching kind of should give us a pause to understand the value of work. In fact, the value of work and how it forms us, right? It forms us in virtue. We learn all about perseverance, service, hard work, self-sacrifice, dedication. These are the the virtues built in us through work that St. Joseph lives out so beautifully. Now, briefly, I want to talk about the three uh, major patronages of St. Joseph. First, he's the patron saint of fathers. Now, I know a lot of people kind of talk about father wounds, and maybe we've had good fathers, and maybe our fathers have been less than perfect. Certainly no one is perfect. And yet, when we have that ache of lacking a father, we can look first to God the Father, but secondly to St. Joseph as our true spiritual father. And yes, you know, earthly fathers are meant to be a reflection of God the Father. Earthly fathers are not meant to be an end in themselves because our yearning is for someone perfect to guide us through this earth. And Jesus had St. Joseph, this just man, guiding him on the path of life. And that must have been an incredible help. And yet I love this scene from the finding of the temple in Luke's gospel. You know, when Jesus had been lost for three days and Mary and Joseph show up and say, Jesus, where have you been? Your father and I have been looking for you. But what does Jesus say? He says, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? So Mary calls Joseph the father of Jesus But Jesus refers to God as his father, showing, you know, really in a real sense that even though our fathers could be wonderful or could be lacking, nevertheless, our true father really is God. And I really think that that's why St. Joseph had to die before Jesus began his ministry, because he had to surrender his life totally to the father, not to an earthly father. But also consider the role of a father. One of the roles of a father is to protect to provide for their sons. And I truly believe with all my soul that St. Joseph would have refused to allow Jesus to die on the cross. He would have done everything in his power to prevent such suffering from entering into the life of his son. And because that's what a good father will do. And that's why God had to take St. Joseph before Jesus was allowed to enter into his public ministry so that he would have the freedom to lay down his life on the cross. Now, speaking of St. Joseph's death, St. Joseph is the patron of a happy death. Why? Well, because he died in the arms of Jesus and Mary. And that really is the happiest death possible. I know that I've seen death. I've seen someone die on, on a couple of occasions. And it's a frightening thing because it's a reality that's going to strike to all of us, right? It's kind of an uncomfortable feeling. Yet, nevertheless, if we commit our lives and our deaths to the arms of Jesus and Mary, then we have nothing to fear. 
I love how St. John Bosco used to have all of the boys in his school every month do an exercise for a happy death, which is make a good confession, communion, and certain prayers for a happy death. And one might say, wait a second, he had boys as young as eight and nine years old in his school, and here he is teaching them about a happy death? Isn't that morbid? Not at all. Because the reality is none of us are guaranteed another day of life. And so all of us at every moment should be ready to die in the arms of Jesus and Mary like St. Joseph did. So let us pray to St. Joseph that we may indeed have a happy death. I remember reading about in 1916, there was a prisoner named Robert Caseman who was hung for treason in England, but he converted to Catholicism while in jail. And his last meal was the Holy Eucharist. And he said, I want to go to my death with the body of my God in me. What a beautiful idea that when we die, no matter what happens, as long as we're in the arms of Jesus and Mary, we are safe. Finally, I want to mention that St. Joseph is the patron saint of the Universal Church, and that was named in 1870 by Pope Pius IX. And, you know, it really is amazing when you think about that. The Universal Church, St. Joseph is the patron. Why? Well, because second only to Mary, he is the most powerful saint that there is. And I'll tell you, we need that power in our church now more than ever, with scandals, people that are angry and hurting, people that are leaving the church, abandoning it in droves. We desperately need the St. Joseph to protect and defend our church. In fact, one of the other titles of St. Joseph is St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. You know, we ask that St. Joseph may frighten away any demons that may affect and afflict our church, that it may have the freedom to love God and to produce saints. My friend, St. Joseph is truly a remarkable man, but I would not be Uh, I would be remiss if I ended this talk without talking about the saint who had the greatest devotion to St. Joseph, and that was St. Andre Bessette. St. Andre Bessette was a Canadian saint. He was the eighth of 12 children. Now, his father died when he was very young, and his mother died two years later, and so he was raised uh, as an orphan. Yet, nevertheless, even though he suffered a great deal, not only interiorly with that that suffering uh, of losing his parents, but also physically, he had a stomach ulcer and was very uh, weak physically. Nevertheless, he worked for a while at manual labor. He actually traveled to Connecticut and worked in Connecticut for uh, quite some time before discerning that God was calling him to join the Congregation of the Holy Cross. And so he joined there in, uh, at the age of 28. And the parish priest recommended him very highly, writing, I'm sending you a saint because of his great devotion and love for our Lord. So they accepted him, but they knew he didn't have the intellectual ability to become a priest. And so he, they stayed as a brother and made him basically the doorkeeper, the porter. He used to have a great line. He said, when I came here, they showed me the door, but I've stayed here for 40 years, right there at the door, welcoming people. Nevertheless, he would often visit the sick and bring them hope and consolation, and he would pray with them, using oil from the lamp that would be burning before St. Joseph's statue, and incredible miracles began to happen. So he became known as the wonder worker of Montreal, Canada, where he lived uh, as a brother. He finally urged his congregation to build a church to St. Joseph, which is the largest in the world, the Oratory of St. Joseph in Montreal. He built it uh, literally nickel by nickel and took on all the fundraising himself. But when he finally died, over a million people walked past his coffin because so many people loved him. And he would always say, and anytime anybody asked for prayers, he would just say, Ite ad Joseph, go to Joseph. Whenever you need anything, go to St. Joseph. Because St. Joseph is indeed the third most powerful person, other than Jesus, Mary, and then finally St. Joseph. And so pray for his intercession. What a great man, a just man, a hard worker, a true father, someone we can all emulate, and someone we can all have as our patron. <laughs>